What's happening, everybody? And welcome back to the Chaplaincy on the Go podcast. I'm your host, Josh Zorhoff. And this podcast is brought to you by the Fearless Family of Churches. And we're continuing on this conversation about the thing beneath the thing. In the last three episodes, we interviewed Steve Carter, the author of The Thing Beneath the Thing, and had a chance to interact with his book just a little bit. We're going to continue on with that, and we're going to talk to some people who have actually read through The Thing Beneath the Thing and share a little bit about how it's impacted their lives. About a year ago, I started a book study with a group of guys. A friend of mine from church invited me to be a part of it. We went through The Thing Beneath the Thing. And now one of those individuals is going to share a little bit about his experience. His name is Ross, and he's a friend of mine. And Ross is a husband and a father. And some of the elements of the thing beneath the thing really challenged him and changed the way that he interacted with his wife and his kids and his coworkers and the people that he works with. So I'm excited to enter into that conversation with Ross. You're going to get a chance to know him a little bit, and we're going to get started with that right now. Well, here we are hanging out here on a Zoom call with my friend Ross, and we're going to talk a little bit about the thing beneath the thing and how that has helped us learn and grow. So Ross, tell us a little bit about you. What are you currently doing? You got a family. Help us help us learn a little more about who you are. Sure. Thanks for the introduction. So my name is Ross, um, married to my beautiful wife, Lisa. We have four children, Ava, who is nine, Isaac, who's seven, Isla just turned five over the weekend, and Ethan, who's almost two. So that uh, obviously having four children takes up a lot of uh, a lot of our time and energy, but uh, it, it's it's really fruitful too. And then I, uh, I work at a car dealership and I'm in a position where I have an opportunity to, to lead some people. Um, and that presents a lot of, uh, a lot of fun and some challenges too. And, um, can't wait to talk about this book and some of the things that I've learned and how, how it's, uh, impacted me and hopefully some of my teammates too. Yeah, I love it. Ross, tell tell everybody just because um, you know you and I met in a really kind of unique unique yeah. situation. So tell us a little bit about how how we got connected. Yeah, so um, I've got a very good friend, Aaron, who has pushed me in a lot of ways in my life, and maybe we get to talk about that later. But uh, a good friend, he wanted to kind of get together a group of guys, a small group, if you will, and. Um, had an opportunity to actually be a part of it. Um, I have never really been in a small group other than with him many years ago um, with, with some of the same guys, but some different ones. And it just was at a really good time in life for me to get together with a, another, you know, other groups of men other than me to discuss some of the challenges that we have. And, I'll never forget the first night there's Josh, Josh and I, um, and some other guys. And I'd never met Josh, never met you before. And, you know, you, you had me at 
hey, I like to smoke meat. Meat. And meat, not yeah. not something Sorry. else. No, that's okay. We just have to clarify for yeah. people because yeah. yeah. He likes to smoke meat yeah. in smokers and he does it at a high level. So he talked about that. And you know, we kind of we kind of hit it off right away and um have really had an opportunity to kind of challenge each other too in, in certain aspects. And I know that it's had a, a big impact on me for sure. Yeah, and we have something major in common that our wives are yeah. both teachers. Yes. Elementary Which, <laughs> teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lisa's a kindergarten teacher, and uh, you know, it's 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 always great that Josh, I can share things with you, and not that the other guys might not be able to relate in some capacity, but it's really nice that. Uh, you know, you and I really can relate and yeah. have gone through a lot of the same challenges. You know, sometimes, and this may be worth another podcast sometime, but I've always thought about creating some sort of support group for husbands of teachers, yeah. uh, yep. just especially the ones that are like are about to get married to a teacher and they have no idea what August really looks like. <laughs> they have no idea the thrill of getting the summer wife back and then also the tremendous grief of losing the summer wife back to the school wife. And so I, I just feel like that maybe, again, maybe that's another conversation for another time. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit here, sure. Ross. Um, but one of the things that you and I connected on beyond the group, which I think part of the group, and and we'll talk about this, you know, Steve touched on this in the podcast episode, just, just the first one that we had with him. Um, about the need for redwoods and the need for community and that we need other people in our lives. And for me, that's really what this group has been, um, that it's been an opportunity for me to be myself in in an honest format, um, to be uh, a place where I don't have to pretend or a place that I don't have to hide or a place that I don't have to put on a mask. I can just show up and I can, I can, if I have a bad day, I can have a bad day. And we can talk about that. And that's that's really important. That's been really transformative for me uh, because I started to realize as we were going through through the book that I don't have as many redwoods as I need. And uh, and for me, that group has really become that redwood group for me. And I I'm glad you brought that up too. So I was revisiting um, you and Steve's conversation over the three parts on the podcast, and you know the redwood thing stuck with me too. So I, I didn't know much about redwoods. I knew that they were big, right. (laughs) But I didn't realize that for trees that can be 200 to 300 feet tall, that, and how massive that is, they only have, you know, eight feet or less of a root system. And if you don't have other pillars or other people in your life, redwoods next to you who can, you know, help help you work through some stuff um man have i discovered more about myself through this process too and you know ultimately i think what it's going to do is it's going to help us be better fathers husbands leaders um and it and it identifies some opportunities or it has for me in my life where i can you know maybe share what i learned through this process and and help someone else that that might need you know, some insight or, 
or just someone to listen, you know, that yeah. that's been, that's been something too, that for me and our group, um, I think the biggest impact for me is a, I get to hear other men, my age with sim or similar ages with similar challenges in life and know that I'm not the only one that's going through those things. Um, yeah. And that's been huge for me. I think that that's a really important part that you bring up. And, and for those listening, one of the realities that that happens in our journey of life is when we go through something, we go through a struggle, we go through a painful experience, we go through uh, a problem with our spouse, or we go through something with our kids. There's this internal story lie, I think, that we believe that we're the only ones who are going through this. We're the only ones who are experiencing this or nobody else knows what I'm going through. And it feels really lonely and it feels really isolating. But as soon as you get into a group of people and you start sharing just a little bit of what's going on, it turns out you're not the only person going through that. And in fact, most people have gone through what you've gone through to one degree or another, and they can understand. And you can actually turn a painful moment into a moment you can actually laugh about, which is yeah. really, really important. Right. Which, you know, is huge. Um, you know, at a time in life where time is not something that we often have a lot of, um, to carve out a little bit of it and to be able to, to just listen and share and connect with other, other people that, you know, one another thing I'm amazed by is just the overall knowledge and skill sets of the people that we meet with, um, you know, different walks of life, uh, different occupations. Um, but, you know, the, the center of it is, hey, we, we're all believers and we know we fall short and we want to help each other. And yeah. being that community has being a part of the community has really had an impact on me. Yeah, I, and I yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to mention too, mostly with with trying to be a better husband and a better father, right? Yes. So I think you know, not to step on maybe a future uh, question you might have for me here, but um, you know, this book has brought some techniques in, into into my life that I did not have prior, and that's really helped me with learning about some of the potholes that I have and making sure that I address those things and look at them through a different lens, maybe before I start to pass along those potholes to my kids. Um, you know, and, and sometimes that's just for me having a lot more patience or maybe using, uh, different words than I would use, um, or the tone that I would use them in and just, just really being actively thinking about, Hey, is this, is this really how I want to be talking right now? Um, or do I really want my kids to see me raising my voice or, um, you know, being very impatient with them? It's, it's, it's really helped me in that regard too. So when you talk about the potholes, you know, Steve brought that up to say that, that, we all have triggers and we all have potholes. And sometimes we try to 
we try to patch over them without ever really going to the question of like, hey, what's really underneath this? Like maybe it's just because it was the weather in Michigan, or maybe there's something more going on underneath. What were some of those pothole kind of discoveries for you as you walked through the book and as you you thought about it within the context of the group? Sure. So I think for me too, it was more like the places that I would hide, if you will. So I like to work. I've always liked to work. And through this, I think I've realized that there are some times where I probably was was putting too much priority into work and maybe not enough into my relationship with my wife or my kids. Um, and in in walking through this now twice this book with the group i've been able to identify that for sure and then be able to go back and and now i try to actively make decisions on okay how how is this going to impact some of those other things and if i can clean that up um and fix the pothole if you will before it becomes a sinkhole you know that's usually a, a pretty good thing it was just this weekend where I was off on Saturday. I, I have to work a couple Saturdays a month, but this Saturday I was off and my son wanted to play football with me and I was doing some work. I was repricing cars, which is one of the things that uh, is part of my job. And, you know, he looked at me and said, dad, I thought you didn't have to work this Saturday, you know? And, and so that kind of, that kind of hit me pretty hard again. And it's like, Hey, I got to take a step back here. Yeah. It's not going to hurt to, you know, be able to throw the football with them a little bit. And, you know, this, this is not a priority right now. I can, I can get to this later. Yes. Yeah. I, so I remember Steve saying in the podcast episode, just, just a few back, he said, you know, we're all addicted to something. It's just that some addictions are more socially acceptable (laughs) than others. And I've really, I found that for me, if I'm not careful, I'm addicted to work. Um, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And for those of you who don't know anything about the Enneagram, that's cool. For those of you who do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, It's so easy for me to focus on the task that I have, the job that I have, check those boxes, feel worth and validation from that. And then come home and say, well, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking butt and I'm awesome. And I haven't seen my family at all, or I haven't interacted with my son or my wife. And, um, and it's true, like, if I'm not careful, I can easily fall into that addiction of, yeah, work is where I find my worth, my value. That's where I give my best energies and my time. And I, I actually had someone a few years ago, point that out and, and, and say, you know, Josh, workaholics are actually really lazy people. And I was like, no, they're not. They work really hard. Like, that's the whole point of being a workaholic. And he said, no, no, like, follow me through with this. Workaholics mask their laziness by working hard at the things that they think are really important. But they are lazy when it comes to family. They're lazy when it comes to prioritizing time in other places they don't seem like they're lazy, but they're actually really lazy. And I was like, well, I'm not lazy. So yeah. I don't like what you're saying right now. But <laughs> the but the reality is, I really, that was a thing for me that one of my hideouts was work. 
a big one. And if I was if I was stressed out or if I was going through something significant, I would just buckle down and just work all that much harder. But then I wouldn't deal with any of the important things in life that I needed to take care of. Right. I appreciate you sharing that too, because you shared that with the group. And when you shared that little story, man, did that hit hard for me. Um, you know, I hate to be called lazy, right? But if, and and I often, you and I connected a lot too, because I think we both find some of our worth in our occupations and yeah. and what we're doing. And I like to work. So when when you said that to me too, I had to really take a, a look in the mirror. And unfortunately, you know, I found some things that I didn't like, you know, yeah. that, that is true. Like I am lazy um, when it comes to that, or I was, and now like, that's that's why I just love this book and and the fact that we went through it a couple times because it, it it makes me more intentional. So it definitely keeps me accountable. Um, and I never thought of it through that lens before, and it's just been really impactful. So with the with the book and some of the applications that you've gone through, you had mentioned in the group. Oh, months ago when we went through it, that you had some people at work that you're like, hey, you need to listen to this book. Uh, yeah. Why? 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 Without sharing names, because, you, know, yeah, like, sure. you know, but why? Why? Why did you think it was important that some other people that you worked with listen to it? Yeah. So. There's a, a gentleman on my team, on our team, that he has so so good in so many ways. And one of his shortcomings is he can get fired up pretty quickly. And he's had some instances in the past with fellow colleagues where, you know, he, he might go from zero to a hundred and he doesn't, he didn't realize that his 100 is more intense than a lot of people's eighties. Let's just say. So it's my opportunity to work with him and be a, be his leader. And as soon as I was going through this book the first time, I immediately thought of him and how this might definitely have a positive impact. So after after a few chapters in, we were talking about triggers. We were talking about potholes. We were talking about places we escape, those kind of things. Um it coincided with another instance where him and a colleague had had some conflict over a particular thing and he probably took it slightly too far and i got an extra copy of the book i actually gave him mine i think and ordered another one but i sat him down and kind of walked him through what we were going through um how it's helped me how it's helped me identify some things that trigger me that i didn't even realize were triggering me and then Hey, is there something else going on? And if there is, let me know, you know, if, if I can be of any help or if you need someone to talk to about it, you know, I, I wanted to be there for him. If, if that was something that he identified with and sure enough, he went through the book too and was kind of blown away just like I was about maybe some of the concepts of yeah. the thing beneath the thing. I think the, um, 
a phrase that I use with clients and kind of what you're describing there uh, is work your crap out before you take it out on the people around you. And more and more, I find specifically with men that when triggered, anger is one of the most readily accessible emotions and outlets. And because we grew up, most of us, I know I did, I grew up kind of um, idolizing anger in the movies that I watched, in the shows that are on TV. If someone is wronged, like we celebrate the revenge, we celebrate the tough person who powers up and just lays it all out there and like has a mic drop moment and then walks away and doesn't care about the disruption that they caused. And the problem is, is translating that into the workplace, into the home, into the relationships that matter. Um, we just leave a wake of devastation and we cause a lot of pain and hurt. And we, we get to the point maybe even where people don't want to work with us anymore. I've had that. I've had, I've had people that are like, Josh is a jerk. I I don't like Josh. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm such a nice guy, except for the fact that I can't control my, my anger or I power up. And I don't even, because I'm, I'm literally operating in a reactive mode. I'm not even aware of how much I'm hurting other people. And, and I think that's really important. Yeah. No. And I think I've also discovered that through understanding some of my triggers, I also have a better grasp on when I'm triggering someone else. Whereas before this, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would have noticed and just being more intentional about that. You know, I, I work in a profession where often I have to be fairly direct about about things and I'm okay with that. Um I don't like confrontation, but I can be direct if I need to be and what I've learned through uh Steve's book is that you know with that you still have to understand when you may be triggering somebody else and I I had an example of that with a good friend that also worked through the book here with us. And I, I said something that triggered him and I knew he was triggered and he told me he was triggered after the fact, but I don't think that him and I would have verbalized that in right. the same way before walking through this together. And as a result of that, you know, I, I really took a really hard look at man, my words really matter. Yeah. And how I, how I say them to others. And ultimately him and I were, we were coming, I was trying to come from a good place, right. And try to offer some help, but he didn't see it that way. And in talking with him about it, I really had to take a step back and it's like, man, if, if this is happening to one of my closest friends in the world, what else am I saying to people and how are they interpreting it? Not the way that I am. And man, just being able to identify and see on someone's face if I've triggered them has has really helped me a lot too. Yeah, there's a sensitivity that comes with that. And there's, um, I think, a grace that comes with that. I I feel the same way. I I know that I say things in a certain way that trigger other people. 
And though I am not responsible for why they're being triggered, I am responsible for what I say and how that impacts them. And for a long time, I used to say things like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And that is such a pathetic thing to say to someone (laughs) if you've hurt their feelings or you've made them angry or you've you've charged them in some way. Because the better thing to say is, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. And I didn't intend for that, but I have to own my part. And that's one of the things that the book has taught me. It's also taught me that that when I'm triggered, I need to be able to communicate that to the people in my life because there's a really good chance that I'm not going to be able to control that that moment that I'm being triggered. Like I, and I shared this with the group, but like my family was impacted by my mom's abuse growing up. She grew up on a farm in Indiana and she was abused. She's given me permission to talk about this and it's part of my story too. But her trauma impacted the way I was raised, impacted my life. And so now when I work with individuals who've been abused or they've been through traumatic experiences, there's a really good chance that even if I'm not aware of it in the moment, I'm going to be triggered. And that is going to impact the way I interact with my family later on in the day or the next day. And so now I've learned that when I have those conversations, I tell my wife, hey, there's a really good chance I'll be triggered. And if I start acting out of like, order or I start uncharacteristically behaving in a certain way, I give you permission to ask me if everything's all right. And that shifts, that shifts the conversation for me. Yeah. And I mean, identifying that is, is part of the key, right? So had, again, I'll keep referencing it, but had I not walked through this book, I wouldn't have the capacity to say something like you did there where, or even realize that something triggered me in that, in that regard. And, um, I can relate to that for sure, Josh. And it's, it's been something that hopefully other people have been able to grow too, as we've grown, um, and, and learn some of these strategies and techniques. And then more importantly, just more about ourselves and why we feel that way or getting to the bottom of Hey, what, what, what thing in my past or what hurt has brought me to the point where I need to react in this way to it and just being mindful of it, I think has, has helped me not to uh, respond in the same way that I put have probably would have responded in the past. That's amazing. I'm so grateful that you would share at that level for those who are listening to this and haven't yet read the book, will you tell them, you know, from your perspective, why should they, why should they read the thing beneath the thing? And why should they take things like triggers and past hurts seriously? Well, I think if you want to continue to grow closer to God and, and seek him out, part of that is how you work with others, how you respond to others, how others are impacted by you. And for me, it was, I didn't know the journey that I was going to go on, but man, it, it, 
it's a really good roadmap for figuring out some things about yourself and how you respond to things. And if you know that you respond negatively to some things like, Hey, there's probably something there that you need to work out. And I would also encourage anyone that's going through the book, um, you know, preferably if you could do it in a setting with others who, you know, you, you trust and are going to take you for who you are through the process, just like they would be too, going through the same process. You know, I, I think that's the other piece of it, being able to talk it out, talk through it, identify, hey, I've got shortcomings. That is, that can be a really hard thing to do, you know, and to be able to do that with others and know that you'll be heard and listened to and, yeah, it, it just it just was a, a really good exercise for me personally. And I would highly recommend anybody to walk through that, too. Um, if, if you want to learn more about yourself and maybe be a better, uh, better influence on the people around you and, and be more positive, I guess I would say. Well, I need to tell you, Ross is such a good man, and I'm so thankful that he took time to share with us a little bit about some of the things he's learned from the thing beneath the thing. And one of the things that I think is important for us to take away from that conversation is that if you don't have a group of people in your life that you can journey with, talk with, work through some of these elements of life with, that's something to take seriously. If you remember from some of our previous conversations on stress, healing really can only take place in the context of a safe, confessing community. And I have that in my book club. I know Ross has that. But if you don't have that kind of community, that's something that you should work for and strive for. And if you'd like some help finding that kind of community, send us a note at chaplaincy at fearlessfollower.org. That's again, chaplaincy at fearlessfollower.org. We'd love to help you think through ways that you can find some of those redwoods. You can find some of that confessing community for you. And if you're interested at all in learning more about how the chaplaincy can play a role in your business or your organization or something that we can do to help, check out our website, fearlesschaplaincy.org, or send us an email, chaplaincy at fearlessfollower.org. We would love to connect with you and see if we can't figure out a way to help these conversations about what drives our behavior and stress and anxiety and emotional health and how that can impact the, impact the work, workplace. We would love to help you figure out that for your organization or for the individuals that you interact with. We are so thankful for this time. Join us for the next episode as we continue on this conversation, talking to another one of my friends about how he interacted with the thing beneath the thing. We'll see you next time.